You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Good day, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Wall Daily. I am your host today, Reinhold, and we are going to talk today about Citizens United, uh, the famous Supreme Court decision that ensured free speech rights for everybody within the United States. Now, a lot of people get confused about Citizens United. They've heard a lot of stories. They've heard a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of basically incorrect information about Citizens United and the decision that that was handed down. And I just want to kind of clear that up and start off with a little bit of background on on how the uh, whole mess came about. So in 2002, the McCain-Feingold bill um, was written and passed that was supposed to curtail um, corporate money inside influence inside of government, right? So they wanted to stop corporations from affecting the outcome of elections, and not just of corporations, but also unions and some other groups like that. And so what they did was they made it illegal to do any kind of campaigning through the corporation within uh, 60 days of a general election or three days of a primary. I remember this was for federal elections. This wasn't for any, anything to do with state elections or anything like that. This was just federal mandates, and it didn't limit – it didn't say that um, corporations and unions could not do any kind of political advertising. Um they just could do it within a period of a short period of time before a primary or a general election. It was not a complete ban on corporate spending on any kind of uh, what they considered campaigning, uh, which is really what they considered campaigning was anything that advocated for or against the election of somebody. So, this was not seen as, as very positive for free speech in the United States. Uh, a lot of people were very against this. And it, it really didn't take long before there was a, an issue. So in 2004, Michael Moore produced a video called Fahrenheit 9-11. And in that, I don't think a lot of people, if you really want to look at that movie, honestly would say that that's not campaigning against a certain candidate that was running for office in, in that year. Um, so the group Citizens United uh, filed a complaint with the FCC about the movie saying, hey, this cannot be shown within 30 days of a primary, 60 days of the general, anywhere, uh, or else it's a violation of the McCain-Feigold Act. And the FCC responded that, no, it's a artistic commercial enterprise. It's not campaigning. It's not electioneering. It's not any kind of advocating for or against the election of somebody, which I think is a kind of a weird position to take on that. And Citizen United felt so too. So they produced their own documentary called Celsius 41.11. It was really highly critical of Fahrenheit 9-11, right? And also a little critical of John Kerry, who was running in 2004. The FEC said that they couldn't show their film because they held that the showing of the movie and advertisements would violate the 
Federal Election Campaign Act because Citizens United was not a bona fide commercial filmmaker. So they're trying to say, okay, you're not really a filmmaker. You're a political group who made a film. And so we're going to look at that differently and judge it differently. Well, this didn't go over well with Citizens United. So what they did was they spent the next couple of years putting out multiple documentaries. They just kept putting documentary after documentary out to try and lay a groundwork of them being a bona fide um, commercial filmmaker. So in 2008 comes around, they've produced this movie called Hillary, the movie. Then what they did was ask the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia to challenge the constitutionality of several statutory provisions governing electioneering communications, uh, including that would be the McCain-Feingold rules. Um, so it, it asked the court to declare a provision on corporate and union spending were unconstitutional, as well as uh, asking that the FEC would be unable to enforce its regulations. They also argued that the commission's disclosure and disclaimer requirements were unconstitutional based off a decision uh, the Federal Election Commission versus uh, Wisconsin Right to Life Incorporated. It also sought to enjoin funding, disclosure, and disclaimer rights as applied to Citizens United ads for the movie. So, what happened was is a uh, three-court judge was convened. They heard the case. They denied Citizens United's motions for a preliminary injunction. They denied um, the claim that it was unconstitutional, and they denied the claim that the disclosure funding and fi- and labor requirements were um, valid. So because of that, because they lost completely at that level at the, at the uh, district court, they requested the Supreme court hear the case. The Supreme court then said they would, and they started hearing oral arguments uh, basically in, in the spring of 2009. And then they asked for further briefs a little bit later. So during the process of the actual court hearing, um, this is where I think it, the story gets a little interesting because the Supreme Court was just supposed to hear the case of whether Citizens United could do, um, they, they kind of limited what they were going to do. They just wanted to rule that Citizens United could make the movie and, and release it during the period of time that was prohibited to them, uh, based off the McKean Feingold Act. So in the arguments, however, some interesting questions came up, which caused some, back and forth between the justices, which kind of changed the way this whole thing went. So during the oral arguments, uh, it was asked if you have the power to stop a, a corporation from making a movie or documentary, do you also have the power to say that um, somebody couldn't sell a book during that period of time or, or, or some other form of communication? And, the government actually said, yes, we have that power based off this ruling or this, uh, this law. And that didn't sit well with a lot of people. So they were ready to just say, okay, we're going to, we're going to rule on this just as whether citizens and I could, could be allowed to show the film. They were in favor of it. They started writing arguments for it. And because of some things that were said in the dissenting opinion by uh, David Souter, um, John Roberts decided to rehear the case, right? So 
they started they started uh, they put out questions to the this both sides and said, okay, here's kind of the questions we're going to be asking. Only this time, the questions were a lot more expansive, not just this narrowed down to whether Citizens United should be able to be able to show the movie, but whether or not it was even uh, legal for or constitutional for the government to even have this power. During that, during those hearings, the government again came back and said that they had this power that they could limit uh, books and, and movies and CDs and podcasts and all the other things that they wanted to say they could do to prevent any kind of electioneering for anybody who is considered a corporation or a union. Now, some things to remember. In uh, a previous court case, Buckley versus Vallejo, it was determined that the ability to spend money is um, free speech. To say that if you tell somebody they can't spend money, therefore um, you, know, you can't then say that their free speech rights weren't violated because they're not able to uh, in enjoying themselves of, of having their free speech. They can't go buy an advertisement. They can't write a book or have it published and all stuff because it all costs money to do. So by limiting what they, people can spend money on, you are essentially limiting their free speech rights in that regard. And that's kind of been held for a long time and nobody's really argued against that. And I don't think they should. I think it's a very valid point. Then because of that, the question was, can we limit corporations and unions from being able to do this? Now, a lot of people say, well, yeah, of course we can, because they're just a, you know, uh, a government created entity that doesn't have any, you know, real mind of its own. It's run by other people, blah, blah, blah. So the arguments that the government, that the Supreme court made in, in their finding was that just because an individual works within concert with other individuals in a group, whether that group be uh, firmly defined in a corporation sense or a union sense, or just as a group of people getting together, that they don't lose their free speech rights because of that. All right. Now, this is only for uh, political speech. This isn't for uh, donating to campaigns. The decision never, ever found any change. They never changed the rules that corporations and unions could not donate to candidates. That was illegal before this decision. It is still illegal on a federal level for donation for corporations or unions to donate money to a political campaign or a candidate. Right. All they said was that corporations and unions do not lose their ability to pay for any kind of political advertising, whether it be a, a book or whether it be a documentary, whether it be just be an ad on TV, they still have the ability to do that. So that's where the, the problem comes in is because a lot of people are concerned that, you know, this decision is going to allow corporations to then flood money into uh, political campaigns. The money can never go to the campaign itself Campaigns and corporations cannot act in coordination on that spending for that same rule, right? So there's nothing there. I think that a lot of people are trying to make a, a leap to say, well, this is going to happen. You don't understand. It's like, well, this was already legal. In There was 34 states where it was legal for corporations to actually uh, give money to campaigns or, or have – um, political advertising 
right up until, you know, full 24 uh, hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There was no limits. So because of that, and and going back and looking at the uh, the statistics for all those states and, and how those functioned, there was no change in the uh, or discernible negative impact to the society because of it. Right. Some some people with less money won. Some people spent a lot more money won. It was never an issue really in in those elections. So in in leading up to the decision, uh, corporations were still able to advertise all the way up to to 30 days before the primary and 60 days before the general. Right. So there was no problem with them having their free speech rights. Then it was only right at the time of the election that people were being concerned about. And I don't think that, I think that they were trying to say that the Supreme court said, it doesn't matter what time of year or what's going on. You have the right to free speech. We're not going to stop that. We're not going to, we as a country value our free speech rights. And I also find it interesting that the concern is that, uh, if we allow corporations and unions, they always keep forget to say unions, that if corporations and unions um, were to be able to do this, then the little guy could never get his voice heard. When in reality, it's the exact opposite. These groups who are corporations doing electric, um, doing election campaigning like this, advertising, are almost are, are variably mostly groups like the ACLU, the NAACP, Sierra Club, groups who get together. Uh, uh, certain people they form a corporation so that they can uh, function with signing documents and everything else without having to have everybody who's involved sign all of those documents. That's really all a corporation is, and they then go and and say, hey, we think this is what should be happening in the world politically. And I don't see anything, I don't know why anybody sees anything wrong with this. So if a group of people who you agree with can do it, then why can't a group of people you disagree with do it? And as I've always said, right, that um, protecting someone's rights that you agree with is easy. Protecting someone's rights you disagree with that's where principle comes in. That's when you say, I believe in this principle, even though I disagree with you, I still, I'm going to defend your right to do it. So with free speech, I may not like what you're saying, but you have the, the right to not have the government tell you, you can't say what you want to say. Right. Now you can, you can obviously make um, your opinion known again on their opinion and no one can stop you from making your opinion known as well. Right. And that's when we have free flow of ideas and people can talk about what's going on politically. And somebody may something so horrendous that society doesn't like it. And will tell them that they're wrong in a way that can potentially uh, make it harder for them to say anything later or whatever, you know, there's going to be ramifications for what you say. If you go too far out of the norm, if you say something that a lot of people don't like, but you still have the right to say it. you shouldn't go to jail for it. You shouldn't have to be uh, penalized or fined for it, right? 
Now, some people will say that corporations aren't people. Well, of course, corporations aren't people. Corporations are made up of groups of people, and those groups of people do not lose their rights just because they're working within a group. But if the courts had said that the the corporations were people and had the rights of people, then those Corporations should then get the right to vote, shouldn't they? They should get the right to to donate to a, a candidate that they choose to, which they cannot do at the federal level. They cannot do that, right? So you have these things called um, political action committees, right? So the, these PACs were set up, and they can give money to candidates. And because they can give money to candidates, corporations and unions, only individuals can give to PACs. Corporations and unions could not. So they created something called a super PAC. Now, what a super PAC is, is not a, a, a big scary thing, in my opinion. It's just another name for a different type of political action committee. Only this time, corporations and unions can give money to that PAC, but that PAC cannot give money to campaigns. They cannot give money to candidates, right? They cannot act in coordination with candidates or other campaigns. And there's even a third type of political action committee called a hybrid. And the hybrid action committee is basically a a group that can do both political action committees and super PAC functions, uh, but they have to keep separate books. They have to say, okay, money coming in for the PAC has to be only from individuals, and that money can then be diverted to candidates. And any money coming in from corporations um, and unions and stuff goes into a separate bank account that is now considered um, separate and not able to be spent or given to candidates or campaigns. So in the end, what we have is uh, with Citizens United, the only thing that really changed in all of this was Citizens United, because you hear all these people saying it's going to the end of the world, we're going to lose our democracy, all the different types of fear-mongering, um, that happens in the political arena. But all that really happened was, was that corporations now no longer denied the ability to put out a documentary or uh, pay for an ad or take out a full, you know, take out a full page ad in the uh, New York times or, or write a, something on a blog post or whatever they wanted to do, uh, write a book. They, they're not allowed to be prevented from doing that within 30 days of a primary and 60 days of a um, general election. That's all it changed, right? Um, Now, they did change it. There is a change in the fact that nobody can go in and try and make those limits again or make them longer or or do anything else to to stop it. I mean, they've decided this, and that's the way it's going to be, so there's no new laws like that to redefine it. But they did not change the rules that – Groups like corporations and unions can now um, cannot send money to individual candidates or individual campaigns. That never changed. Um, so, like I said, there's a lot of fear mongering about this, but I think it's more of a reaffirmation of the rights to free speech that we have in this country. And you do not get up your free speech rights just because you're working in coordination with other people of like minds. Uh, financially working together to try and get your voice heard. And I think this is an important thought that's lost in all this, is that if 
we weren't allowing people to get together and pool their money together to buy political advertising and get their voice heard out like that, then you would have people like George Soros or the Koch brothers who they have all kinds of money. They can make their voice heard all, all kinds of ways. It's the poor people or the not so well off people, I guess, who want to have their voice heard. And they find that the best way to do that is to work with other people who agree with them in a grouping like the ACLU, like the Sierra Club, like um, the NAACP, you know, uh, the the NRA. There, there's all these different groups that are put together. And if we start limiting that speech for all those people, you're really going to be limiting the speech of individuals who no other way would really have a voice, right? And and that seems to be the counterproductive point that the people who are against Citizens United keep missing. So, to sum up, I believe that Citizens United was a good decision. It was the right decision. Um, and I'm glad it exists now, uh, just to make sure that we all have our rights to free speech protected. And uh, with that, I will... Uh, end for the day and say thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you.